This is Chill Bill coming at you live from Catro, introducing another segment of the 10th anniversary celebration of Skylanders Portal Casters. Over to you, Ditto. Thanks, Chill Bill. It's going to be difficult to follow up those legendary interviews we just did, but regardless, it's time for our legendary treasure hunt. This is the segment where we try to find the best bargain we can on Skylanders. Today's challenge was to find the largest number of new inbox Skylanders starter packs with a maximum price total of $100, which is normally a lot higher than we would go, but they are new inbox starter sets, so exactly. we're going to kind of have to see what kind of magic we can make happen here with that. Now, the lots will be scored as follows. One point for every new inbox complete Skylanders starter pack and one half point for every $5 under that maximum price limit of $100 we are. I do have, as the host for this episode, one super special bonus point that I can award for pretty much any reason I see fit, and whoever ends up with the highest point total in the end, as always, is the winner of this legendary treasure hunt. So Inklander, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you have found today and where all the good stuff. Okay, my lot comes from eBay, and it is priced at $66.79, and it is five new-in-box Skylanders Imaginator starter packs for the Wii U. So, five starter packs, $66.79. I think that this is actually a really good deal. That is indeed a really, really good deal. You've got their five completed new inbox starter packs for $67. One of these starter packs went for $70 alone at launch. So what you found here is actually a really, really, really good deal. Granted, there's not a lot of variety to this deal, but it's a really good deal nonetheless. So your lot is going to score out at five points for the five starter packs that you have here as well as six half points for being $30 under the maximum price limit, bringing your total to eight points. Now, for my lot, what I found here is a little bit more varied. I have here a lot of four Skylanders starter packs. I have Imaginators on the PlayStation, as well as Trap Team and Giants on the PlayStation, and Trap Team on the Wii. And this lot I found on OfferUp for a total of $40. So my lot scores out at four points for the four starter packs, as well as six points, that's 12 half points, for being $60 under the maximum price limit, bringing my total to 10 points. And then I'm also going to award myself the extra special bonus point for variety, because I do have three different games, and the one duplicate game here is actually technically on a separate system, so there's a wide variety of ways to play here. So I'm going to award myself the bonus point for that, bringing my total actually up to 11 points, which makes me the winner of this episode's Legendary Treasure Hunt. Well, good game, Ditto. Good game, Inklander. This was a really, really difficult and interesting challenge. Yeah, absolutely, because now that Skylanders has been around for 10 years, it is a lot harder to find lots of the starter packs, especially ones that are new in box. So it was a bit of a struggle digging to try to find something that was not just like one starter pack priced at like 60 bucks. Right, and that's kind of where the challenge lay, was we needed to find more than one, and we had to find them cheaper than the standard, which 
finding these new in box cheaper than they originally went for at launch, it takes a bit of digging. Yep. But, you know, both of these ended up being uh, fairly good deals, I guess, at least with my lot. You are able to buy five new in box for the price of one, and then you can just go give the other four to your friends, and then you can all play racing online with each other. I mean, yours offers the opportunity to, yes, buy five for the cost of one, and then share it with friends who maybe you have friends who haven't had the opportunity to be introduced to the Skylanders franchise, and this could be their entry point into it. Like, yeah. that's a really, really great deal you found there. Whereas mine is better for, you know, playing at home, maybe some couch co-op, something along those lines. It's better for solo or couch co-op play, whereas yours is a better deal for introducing more people to the franchise and yeah. making more memories. Yeah, but still, both are really good, and it does still go to show that if you are looking for something specifically Skylanders related, with a little bit of searching, you will be able to find it at a really reasonable price. Absolutely. And now with our treasures, these new inbox starter packs in hand, let's go ahead and store these on board the Dread Yacht for safekeeping while we go on a very special tour. Well, there was a reason why we decided to get those starter packs, and the reason for it is because we are going to be taking a tour of Shattered Island, the first, the original level from Skylanders Spyro's Adventure. So, ditto, what are your thoughts on this opening level? This is the first level that introduced so many people to the Skylanders universe. I think this level did exactly what it needed to do. Not only did it introduce us to Skylands in general, and was a very well-designed level for that, but it also introduced us to Flynn. It introduced us to the basics of the basics when it comes to Skylanders enemies. It introduced us to some of the basic mechanics that we're going to need to use throughout the game. We have turtle pushing. We have locked gates where we need keys. We even have an enemy gate in this level, as well as the basics of bounce pads and things like that. It just has a little bit of everything you need to know to get started. And I think it did really well at just being an introductory level to the series. Yes, I could not agree more. We get introduced to a lot of the important NPCs, as you mentioned, Flynn, Hugo, Blobbers, everyone's favorite Disney villain just waiting to waiting to happen. Like we we are introduced to all all those different mechanics as you said and it just introduces them in such a streamlined and fluid way to where it just builds upon itself as the level goes on and we're introduced to the level in such a amazing way if you're using the starter pack characters hugo will actually call out their names and be like spyro you're here or trigger happy you're here like he'll he'll actually call out the names we have this big epic kind of threat we are literally on some islands in the sky that are being torn part and th it just kind of throws you really immediately into this world and it makes you feel instantly a part of it and like instantly like you need to do something in order to be able to save all these people help them evacuate and it's just really kind of a exciting level for 
the first one in the series. And it also introduces us to elemental gates, like we have one for all the main characters as well. It introduces us to all the collectibles, too, that we're going to have, like the story scrolls, the legendary treasure, everything. And it's just, it's really nicely done. And the music here is really epic. It's really, really exciting. And, you know, one of the reasons why we decided to use shattered islands music for the intro for dreadyacht destinations is because not only is it iconic but also this is the first level like when you think of like the levels in the games like one of the first things you're probably going to think of is the shattered island music or just shattered island because for so many people that was the first level that they played and so it's just a really well designed level it's really polished it's not too difficult, but as Ditto said, it does everything that it needs to do, and it really gets players excited to find out exactly what's going to be happening in the rest of this journey. Indeed it does. So this level, because it is like one of the introductory levels, it is on the short side, you know, because it is really just trying to introduce players to the mechanics, but that doesn't mean that that's not a good one. This was definitely fun to go back, look at again 10 years later, replay it. It's just great to see how it introduced all those dungeon crawler elements, and also to look back on it and be like, wow, like it's so cool to see how Skylanders has evolved uh, over the years. It's, it's really neat. And now that we've escaped the Shattered Islands with Hugo and Flynn, we need to stop off before we get to the Core of Light. It looks like we're having to visit the Archean Arena. And the Dreadyacht touches down ever so smoothly in the Archean Arena, where we pit Skylander against Skylander in a bout of theoretical combat, very similarly to the traditional style of PvP battles that was introduced in Skylander's Spyro's Adventure. Yes, absolutely. But because that uh, got removed in Trap Team, uh, we're pretty much now doing our own version of Skylander's D&D here. That's fair to state. Now, Inklander, why don't you introduce your champion for today's bout? Okay, so I decided to go with one from the original game, Skylanders Fire's Adventure, of course, for the 10th anniversary. And I also wanted to go with one from the starter pack. Now, it's not one of the ones from the main starter pack, but one of the ones from the 3DS starter pack. So the champion I have decided to bring to the Archean Arena for this 10th anniversary episode is Stealth Elf. Stealth Elf is a life element melee Skylander with a health of 810, critical hit of 58, armor of 29, speed of 45, and luck of 26. Her primary attack is Blade Slash, where she uses her blades to attack enemies for 35 points of damage. Her attack 2 is Stealthier Decoy, which allows her to go stealthy and kind of sneak past enemies by going invisible, and that does zero damage. Meanwhile, her attack three is Arboreal Acrobatics, which basically allows her to kind of somersault through the air, gives her a little bit of speed as well, and that also does zero damage. 
Her top path is Pook Blade Saint, where her attack 1 gains combos, increased blade damage, and magic blades fight alongside her. Meanwhile, the bottom path, Forest Ninja, has decoy spawn 3 Scarecrows. Scarecrows gain explosions and increase damage. So while her secondary attack doesn't actually deal damage on its own by her going stealthy, uh, it does allow her to leave behind decoys that will be able to damage enemies. So Stealth Elf is a lot of fun. As I said, 3DS starter pack character. She is really cool. And uh, yeah, while her third attack doesn't have any damage, I still think that she is a fast, powerful character and definitely a force to be dealt with from the original Spyro's Adventure game. Yes, Stealth Elf is definitely a force to be reckoned with. I do wonder how well she's going to hold up here in the Archean Arena with two attacks that don't deal any damage at all, and she only has her close-range bone knives, but she is quick and does significant damage rather quickly, so we're going to have to see how she holds up against my champion. For this special 10th anniversary episode, I have also decided to go with an original Spyro's Adventure character, but with a twist. I've decided to go with their supercharged form. So from my portal, I summon forth Deep Dive Gilgrunt. Deep Dive Gilgrunt is a mixed attacking style water element Skylander with a maximum health at level 20 of 810, critical hit of 60, armor 29, speed 32, and luck 26. His attack one is Trident Thrust, which, as the name suggests, he thrusts forward with his trident, dealing 44 points of damage. His attack two is known as Power of the Seas, which allows him to fire a bolt of lightning forward at his opponents at a distance, dealing 36 points of damage per hit. This attack can also be charged to deal a total of 47 damage. His attack three is known as Typhoon Turbine Jetpack, which allows him to rise up into the air and land back on the ground, but while in the air, he can use attack one to dash forward with his trident, or attack two to send out a tidal wave, each of which dealing 26 points of damage. In the way of upgrade paths, his top path is known as Torrent Tamer, which allows for attack three to gain a watery explosion when he rises or lands. In jetpack mode, attack two fires three waves and can be charged to fire a singular large wave. His bottom path is known as Storm Summoner, which allows for attack three to cause a lightning explosion when taking off and landing. Adds the ability to charge attack one to fire ranged lightning during the thrust and increases the damage of lightning attacks. So while Gilgrunt is a Spyro's Adventure character, this iteration of him definitely plays a lot differently than the original, because the original didn't have any melee attacks, it was all entirely ranged. This version of Gilgrunt has the ability to hit melee, as well as those ranged attacks, and switching from jetpack mode to being on the ground, causes an explosion depending on which path you're on, determines the element of said explosion, and the type of damage it does. And it's just, it's a really, really cool enhancement for his original character. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think Gilgrunt, especially as you get on later into the games, doesn't really pack as much of a punch as he does in Spyro's Adventure, but then once they reimagine him as Deep Dive Gilgrunt in Superchargers, they really, really do some interesting and fun things with a character that really shakes up his moveset and I think just makes him even more powerful and cooler than he was before. Right, and I thought that Gilgrunt was particularly fitting for this episode, because as you went with the character from the original starter pack, I decided that I wanted to go with a Spyro's Adventure character that had gotten the most reposes, and therefore Gilgrunt made the most sense, as he is the only Skylander in existence to gain a Series 5. Yeah, very true. In a battle between these two... I would probably go with the top path, the water path, because the ability to fire off those waves while in jetpack mode I think is a little bit more beneficial to me against somebody like Stealth Elf than it is to add range to my only melee attack, seeing as how Stealth Elf can only really do damage uh, unless you take the specific path for the Scorn Crows. Stealth Elf can only do damage melee, so it's going to be very beneficial to me to still have a purely melee attack. Yeah, that would make sense. I am going to go with the Forest Ninja Path, though, to be able to get the Scarecrows that explode and also eventually would have increased damage, too, on that path. Basically, I'm going to try to probably initially with Stealth Elf. We have the same amount of health, and our actual stats are roughly the same. They are very, very close, aren't they? You, yeah. have, a, you have, like, six points of speed on me, whereas I have, uh, I believe it's two points of armor on you. Yeah, so they're very, very close. So those are not really going to be coming into play that much. And because of that, I'm thinking I'm probably going to go with the bottom path there and try to keep a little bit of distance between me and Gilgrunt initially. So I'm thinking I'm probably going to try to use the Scarecrows, try to get you to smack into the Scarecrows a couple times, and then once you have maybe like 200 points, 300 points lower of health, then that's probably when I'm going to try to sneak in and use the Blade Slash, because as you say, that's the only other way that I'm going to be able to deal damage otherwise. So that's probably what I'm going to be doing there, is trying to almost play Stealth Elf as a ranged character for the first little bit, using her attack to upgrade it on that Forest Ninja path. And then once I have that health down a little bit on Gilgrunt, then try to sneak in and try to use that Blade Slash, because otherwise Gilgrunt is going to have a lot of different attacks at his disposal. Granted, none of them are as fast as Stealth Elf's primary attack because she is going to be able to deal that 35 damage really quickly uh and and do that over and over and over again but still like even with 200 300 points of damage potentially down on Gilgrunt I'm still gonna be having to really pay attention to what I'm doing try to dodge some of those wave attacks which will be very hard to do but I do think Stealth Elf is going to be able to defend herself kind of okay due to the speed of her attack but it's definitely going to be a struggle there. From my perspective the speed of Stealth Elf's attack is going to be the primary thing I am worried about seeing because the Scorn Crows themselves are actually fairly easy to dodge as long as I pay attention to where she vanishes. So initially from the get-go my strategy is going to be to get into the air firing off a singular explosion that may 
possibly hit her, depending on how far away from me she is, and then just start firing waves in her direction once she vanishes, because she, she's got to go invisible in order for the, the Scorn Crows to be spawned. At that point, I don't believe I can deal any damage to her while she's invisible. So what I'm going to want to do is I'm going to want to wait until the moment where she becomes visible again, fire off another explosion going either into the air or landing, and then depending on her distance, I'm either going to start trident thrusting or I'm going to start firing lightning bolts or waves depending on whether I'm on the ground or in the air. If I'm in the air and she's within trident range, I might just use the trident thrust to dash towards her because that is an effective dash attack. And the idea is going to be just to hit her as hard as I can, as quickly as I can, keep her at as much of a distance as I can because she's got little to no range with those blades. You really have to be up close and personal, and I'm going to take advantage of the fact that she has to be up close and personal to hurt me. And just, I may get tangled in a Scorncrow every here and there, but for the most part, I'm going to be trying to focus on when she vanishes and where. That way I can eat more easily dodge those. Yes. Which which is, I, I say, a lot easier to do than it may be to dodge my waves, because they're also stationary. They don't move. So if I know where they're at, I can easily work my way around them. Yeah, that is definitely a problem with the Scarecrows with Stealth Elf, is that, like, basically I'd pretty much have to get, like, right up on you with you chasing me, and then me going into the Stealth Mode in order to actually have them hit you, because otherwise you're just going to be able to dodge them. So unless there's also, like, a really narrow path in whatever stage we're playing, where I might be able to trick you into hitting them, it will be hard for me to be able to use that to get your health down. True. And the whole tactic of getting up close and personal with me before vanishing, honestly, that would catch me off guard the first and maybe the second time. It wouldn't work after that, but it would be a great tactic to use initially. But that would also only work in the first bout, because from there on, I'm going to see it coming. Yeah. That, that is true. So, Stealth Elf, I don't think that she'd lose every time. No, not at all. But I do think that she would definitely be struggling a lot against this supercharged version of Gilgrunt here. So, you know, I, I can definitely see her winning like two, maybe three times out of ten, but it's definitely going to be a bit harder for her because she just doesn't have anything that's a little bit more long-range like Deep Dive Gilgrunt has, and because her thing that you could sort of considered to be long range, which is her putting like a trap down, that is also really easy to avoid. So it's really her having to rely on the speed of her primary attack. And while that's definitely useful because all of our stats are pretty much roughly the same, I still don't think that's going to be enough because a lot of Golgrunt's stats for the actual attacks themselves are a little bit higher than Stealth Elf's. So because of that, I think Golgrunt's just going to be able to deal out that damage a little bit quicker and probably be able to take out Stealth Elf more times than Stealth Elf would be able to take out Golgrunt. I would agree with that. If you sit these two characters down face to face and just have them slug it out with their attack ones, with nobody dodging or anything like that. Stealth Elf, despite the fact that her attack does slightly less damage, would win this 10 times out of 10. But based on the fact that Gilgrunt has just as much mobility as Stealth Elf and ranged attacks, I think that's really just what ends up offsetting it in the end to the point where Stealth Elf would win two or three times out of ten, but the other seven or eight times would go to Gilgrunt specifically because Gilgrunt just has the advantage of range. 
Absolutely. But as I said, in, in a 1v1 slugfest where nobody moves, you just press the button, Stealth Elf takes it 10 out of 10. So she's a very formidable character. She's definitely not one to sleep on, especially in early games like Spyro's Adventure and Giants. She is a force to be reckoned with. It just, in this particular matchup, didn't end up working out for her. I'm going to end up declaring Deep Dive Gilgrunt the winner of this episode's Archean Arena. Good game, though, Inklander. You brought a character who actually made me really think about my strategy for a minute there. Because, as I said, Stealth Elf is formidable. Don't sleep on Stealth Elf. Yeah, good game to know. Uh, yeah, like, Stealth Elf, uh, even though she is a Spyro's Adventure character and is a melee character, she is still definitely a force to be reckoned with. Absolutely. Now, as the dust settles, we see Brock rise from his throne... And I think we should go over and celebrate with him as well. He may not have been introduced to the franchise until Giants himself, but it is still an anniversary of a franchise that brought him to us. So let's go celebrate. talking with Brock celebrating the 10th anniversary of Skylanders and you know we we were thinking that this this should be a segment on chaos but after a lot more thought about it we realized that we'd done two episodes about chaos last season and that there's also another really iconic enemy that we should be talking about one that we're introduced to right at the beginning in Shattered Island that's right we're talking about the Chompy. Yes, finally. We haven't done that many Brock's Batty segments, but this is my favorite Batty from the entirety of Skylands outside of Chaos, so I'm super hyped to be talking about Chompy. Oh yeah, and like there are so many different forms of Chompy. We're primarily going to be focusing on the original, but of course, you know, they also spawn from Chompy Pods, but we have Hula Chompies, we have Goo Chompies, we have Enfuego Chompies, we have Frigid Chompies, we have Bone Chompies. <laughs> like there's so, 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 so many different forms of Chompies uh, that are introduced throughout the series. They're all very cool. Some of them have some really interesting mechanics like, you know, being on fire, uh, having like this kind of goo that they shoot out. Like there's there's like a lot of different forms, a lot of different iterations of Chompy. And while they are f typically fairly easy to take out, they are still always a pleasure to see. They are that iconic Skylanders enemy. And they definitely had some interesting ideas with them going throughout the game. Like there's even that one enemy the Chompy Bot 9000 that is basically a giant mecha Chompy that will shoot out more Chompies. So they, they always had some really interesting ideas when it came to the Chompies, and it was cool to just see how they evolved as the series went on. Yes, the Chompy are amazing. They're these adorable little creatures with a mouth full of razor-sharp teeth and these two cute little eye stalks that could be mistaken for antenna. They have kind of rounded, stumpy legs, but they have three powerful claws on each hand. They're designed just, they're so adorable. And the different varieties of Chompy overall mostly are just a palette swap. You've got spotted Chompies, you've got red Chompies, you've got blue Chompies. And 
some of the abilities that they have, as Inklander mentioned, are actually really, really cool to see. You've got some chompies that can split in two. You've got some chompies that get projectile attacks. You got some chompies that will tackle you and explode on impact. It's just really, really cool to see all the different things they were able to do with this one adorable little enemy. And anytime chompies show up on the map, it's kind of a mixture, a combination of like joy and at the same time panic because some of these chompy variants are actually really, really dangerous, especially if you're on higher difficulties. A chompy exploding on you in hard or nightmare difficulty could mean the end for your Skylander. And if you're trying to do a challenge to get level stars where you can't have any Skylanders defeated, that can be a really, really intense moment just seeing all these Chompies on the field. They're really, really cool, and they're adorable, and I just love to see them show up on the map, even if I know I'm in trouble. I never complain about seeing Chompies. Yeah. Like, I think they are always that great first, like, starter enemy, and they, they pretty much are throughout the, the entirety of the series. I think Swap Force actually starts with Greebles, but then gives us Chompies a little bit later in the same level. But yes. otherwise, yeah, they're, they're just iconic. They're always fun to fight. They're the great starter enemy. They're always great to have and like, hordes of enemies as well. And as Ditto says, while um, they, they might not be really that threatening initially, especially in like a easier mode, like if one of them bites you in nightmare mode, there went like 300 points to your health right there. So definitely in something like nightmare mode, like you definitely don't want to miss a choppy. Like you definitely want to make sure that you take them all out. And they also are trappable. There's two different versions of them that are trappable in Trap Team as well. You're able to play as a regular Chompy and as a Bone Chompy. And there's even Chompy Mage as well. So Chompy is just a really iconic villain, and they come in so many different forms, and they are fun to play as. Might not be very powerful in Trap Team, but you know, it's still fun. It's still fun that you're able to play as a Chompy. And they're just overall really cool. Now, I believe the Chompy got more variants than any other baddie in Skylands. I don't think there are as wide a variety of trolls or cyclopses or greebles or any other kind of enemy as there is the chompies. The chompies got more because they deserved it. They're chompies. Now, I will say that I'm not a huge fan of the swap force design of the chompies. The, like, having their eyes kind of, like, dangle in the wind was a little weird. Like, they, they're just, like their eyes get so like oversized to where they're just kind of like falling behind their backs in in swap force i felt like that was such a weird design choice but luckily it kind of gets reverted on uh in, in trap team so that was kind of weird but still like a lot of the mechanics for those swap force characters were pretty cool even though i wasn't really a fan of the design of a lot of them but with that being said, Ditto, if you had to score the Chompy on our Brock's baddie scale out of 7, where would you place the Chompy on that scale? I would place the Chompy at a 7, and, like, no contest. It would easily be a 7. I would rate it higher if our scale would go higher. I absolutely have to agree with you. The Chompy is so iconic. It's, it's so fun to fight, uh, and there's so many different variations of it, and they're just a really cool character. So yeah, 7 out of 7 for me too. I mean, the, the, the Chompy is a mascot on my channel, so that kind of, kind of sealed the deal on that one. Oh yeah. So I do believe that gives us our first Brock's Batty with a perfect score. That goes to the Chompy. Congratulations, Chompy, on being the first and likely the only perfect score we get in this segment.
That brings us to the end of this 10th anniversary celebration. We'd like to offer a special thank you to all of our guests for joining us today, and we want to just give a huge shout out to Paul Ritchie, Wei Huang, and Alex Ness for helping us to basically network and coordinate this. If it wasn't for the three of you helping us out, this would not have been nearly as big as it could have been. So really, you all are the MVPs. Thank you so much. And we also want to give a huge shout out to with the team at Toys for Bob and to Katie Marshall, the Skylanders PR coordinator for Activision. Thank you all for taking time out of your day to talk with us about Skylanders. And we also have to give an incredibly special thank you to Chill Bill for co-hosting this 10th anniversary celebration with us. Thank you so much for joining us from K-Troll to co-host the podcast. Of course, it is always a pleasure to help out fellow radio hosts. This has been a fun celebration reflecting on the Skylanders series. You'll find our website and our individual channels listed in the description, including those for all of our guests. Follow our Twitter at SLPortalCasters for regular updates about the podcast, and join our Discord server for Skylanders discussions. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you in the coming weeks for our special Halloween episode. See you then! Bye! Together now Together, together Together now We were born to fly Limitless No matter what We stay up If we're a team That is enough No boundaries We're fearless Where we go on We go all We never break We never fall In this world That we're creating Magic's all around We can fly above the ground Hey yeah We should come together Let's be heroes in the night Like spotlights beaming in the black sky We can lift the darkness with the light Cause everybody's in harmony Together in harmony Everybody's in harmony Together in harmony Together Whenever chaos gets too crazy And trouble knocks at the door With your heart up off the floor And keep shining, yeah, keep trying If something's wrong, go be strong Face your fears until they're gone In this world that we're creating Magic's all around We can fly above the ground Hey, yeah, we should come together Let's be heroes in the night We're like spotlights beaming in the black sky We can lift the darkness with the light Cause everybody's in harmony Together in harmony Together harmony Together Yeah, everybody's in harmony Together in harmony We were born to fly Limitless No matter what we stay up For a team that is enough Hey yeah, we should come together Let's be heroes in the night we're like spotlights beaming in the black sky We can lift the darkness with our light Cause everybody's in harmony Together in harmony Together in harmony
Everybody's in harmony. Together in harmony. In your harmony. Together in harmony. Oh, might want to bring in the broccoli guy. Oh, wait, the podcast is over. Never mind.